We're starting today, Kufmem Gimel Amit Beis, where it says, V'savar Rab Yehuda Stam. So to review what we learned yesterday, we're talking about what happens in a case where you have juice that's oozing out from fruits. Are you allowed to use it in Shabbos? So there's a machlaikis here between Rab Yehuda and the Chachamim. The Chachamim say that you're never allowed to. Because it's exeter. It's exeter of Chazal, you might come to squeeze fruits. Rabbi Yudas says, well, it depends. Did you designate the fruits for eating? So then there's no gzeda that that would happen. Did you designate the fruits for, for juices? So then there's actually a concern that you might come and uh, squeeze it out. But here, the Gemara that we learned yesterday divided that there's different types of fruits. There's anovim vizesim, there are grapes and olives that are designated for juices, for the wine and the oil. So that's something that Rabbi Yehuda would agree that there's always a concern that you're going to squeeze it. Then you have most fruits that are not designated b'chlal for, for uh, juices. Most fruits, the Chachamim would agree to Rabbi Yehuda that we're not concerned that the person is going to come to squeeze it because the fruits are designated for eating. And then the Gemara said there are those that are in between. Tusim, the uh, Tusim, what was it? Tusim v'rimaynim are such kind of fruits that it depends. Over there is where there was the machlaikis between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda says it will depend what it was designated for, and the Chachamim say it doesn't matter. But now, the Gemara here is going to focus on one detail that it said in the Braise that we learned yesterday. In the Braise there it said that according to Rabbi Yehuda, when you have Tusim and Rimaynim that were used Stam, okay, you have three cases. You have a case where a person set it aside for eating. Then you have a case where the person set it aside for squeezing for juices. Then you have a case stum. He brought in the fruits, he stored it. It wasn't specifically designated for drinking, for squeezing. It wasn't specifically designated for eating. It's just stum. So what did it say in the Braise yesterday? That if it's stum, I say that I yoytzim and oser. I say that because it's stum, that's enough of a reason to be concerned that the person might come and squeeze it, and therefore it's oser to, to, to drink the juice that oozed out in Shabbos. So it's this case of stum that the Gemara is going to focus on. Because again, what we're saying is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, we're comparing stum to a case where the person actually designated it for drinking. Talk to Gemara, Saw, Rabbi Yehuda does, Rabbi Yehuda hold, Stam Osser, that if, it was, if you brought in the fruits, Stam, wasn't designated for drinking, but it was just Stam. Still, it's going to be Osser to drink the juices that ooze out from this. So here the Gemara, uh, we're talking about Tusim and Rimayim. So here the Gemara is going to bring a, a Mishnah that's going to talk about the Indian of uh, Tumah and uh, the machsher to be makabel tomah and then towards the end of this Mishnah it's going to come back to the subject that we're talking about but before we start the Mishnah if you remember what's the Allah going to get to any food to be susceptible to tomah there's always a condition for food to be susceptible to tomah and that is that it has to have come in contact with Zayin Mashkin with one of the seven liquids and one of them we're going to discuss over here is milk if, it doesn't, if, if you have something that's completely dry it didn't come into contact with any of the seven liquids it's not susceptible to tomah Okay? Zog the Mishnah, but now we learn, Zog the Gemara, we learned in the Mishnah. Chalav, chaleva isha. The milk that comes out from a woman, from a human being. Metame, this milk will cause susceptibility for Tumah, l'ratzen, v'shalei l'ratzen. Whether that milk came out willingly or unwillingly, doesn't make a difference. Over here, we don't make any distinction if it's willingly or unwillingly. Even though l'chayda, when it comes out unwillingly, so... It's, it shouldn't be considered to be mashkin because she doesn't even want it to come out and therefore it's, it's not, it shouldn't be mashkin. But by the chaleva isha, 
the milk comes out from a woman's body, whether it's willingly or unwillingly, it will, be, it will cause susceptibility for tumor. Chalev behema, milk that comes out from an animal, so that milk is only metame if it's lerotzen, and this is usually the halacha when it comes to all different kinds of liquids that are squeezed out of any fruit or anything. Those liquids do not cause the food that came in touch with that liquid to be susceptible to tome unless it's the, the, the liquid is there willingly. If it comes out unwillingly, it's not. Chaleva isha is different. Whether it came out willingly or not, then it made the food wet, either way it becomes susceptible to tome. Willingly to who? To the one who milks the cow? Yes. Yes. So Rabbi Kiva says, no. If, if, you can make a Kav If when it comes to the milk that comes out from a woman. Who drinks this milk? This is milk only for a baby. Yet you say that it becomes Tomei, whether the milk came out willingly, whether it came out not willingly. The milk of a cow, for example, that is, is to be, you drink, who drinks it? Adults, babies, everybody drinks this milk. So this is a milk that's available and made for everybody. So this is something that should have more of an ability to make something susceptible to Tumah, not less. Chaleva Isha is something that's only designated for, for a baby. That's something that makes something susceptible to Tumah, whether Lerotzen or Shalei Lerotzen. The milk of a cow, for sure, which is more designated for, for adults as well, it should definitely have the ability to make things Tumah, even if it comes out unwillingly. It's, he's showing you a mila in this, in this liquid, that this liquid is more usable, right? The more usable it is, the more it's defined as a liquid. If it's not usable, so then it's not a liquid. So then it's not a beverage, because people don't drink it. So if you're telling me that the chalev behemah, which is drinkable by babies and adults alike, so it, it, that is more of a swara, that it should be susceptible to tumah, make things susceptible to tumah, then the chalev of a, of, a, of, a, of a isha, that's only a beverage that's, that's uh, who drinks it, only a baby. It's more, it's more of a liquid? Correct. It's more of a liquid, then it should be more, then it should be more matched. Correct. Amrullah, so now the Chacham respond to him and say, no, there's a Svara why only the Cholov of an Isha causes susceptibility to Tome and not the Cholov Behemah. What is that? Im Tome Cholov Isha If when it comes to the milk of a woman, that causes susceptibility to Tome even if it comes out not willingly. Why is this? Shadam Magifasa Tome. Because if there's, a, if there's a blood, she has a wound, and there's blood that's coming out of a wound, the blood of a woman will cause Tome as well. One of the seven liquids is blood. The blood that comes from a human body. Okay, so that blood from a wound will cause Tome. But on the other hand, when it comes to the milk that comes from the animal, and it came out not willingly, the blood of a wound from an animal is The blood from an animal does not cause susceptibility to tumor. So I see that I'm more machmer when it comes to a human being, because the blood of a human being, if there's a wound by the isha and there's blood, that blood causes susceptibility to tumor. The blood by an animal does not cause susceptibility for Tumah. Rashi adds another detail to this. Rashi says that it's not only two separate things that we're talking about, blood and milk, 
the blood and the milk are actually connected. Because the Gemara in Nida says that by a woman that's nursing, Dan Nekav the blood, it's a time that she doesn't have a period, she doesn't become a nida because the milk that's being produced comes from the blood. So therefore, the two, the blood and the milk, are connected to each other. So by a woman, that her blood causes susceptibility to Tomeh, and that's including by the blood of a wound. When you have a blood of a wound, does the blood come out willingly? No, you would rather not have the wound. But nevertheless, the blood of a wound that oozes, that comes out, causes susceptibility to Tomeh. So therefore, the Chachamim say the same thing applies also to the, to the milk that comes out from a woman, even not willingly, it will cause susceptibility to Tomeh, which is not the case by an animal. By an animal, the blood that comes out not willingly does not cause any susceptibility to Tomeh. So the milk also should not cause susceptibility to Tomeh. Amalehen, so Rabbi Kiva answers back and says, no, there's a, nut, there's a reason to be machmer more by milk, more than blood. Don't bring me this comparison to blood. There's more of a reason to be machmer by the blood, by, sorry, by the milk of the animal more than the blood. Machmer ani b'cholav mibedam, I'm more stringent when it comes to the milk that comes out of the body of an animal, more than the blood. Why is this? If you're milking for the purpose of healing, that milk that comes out is for sure going to cause susceptibility to Tumah. We're talking over here about milking a cow. If a cow has too much milk, and you have, and you have to milk the cow in order to, to, to heal it, in order to, to, to relieve it from some of its milk. So when you milk a cow for refua, so the blood, the, sorry, the milk that comes out will cause susceptibility to Tumah. On the other hand, if you have to let blood from an animal for the purpose of refuah, tahi. That blood that comes out of the animal is tahi. The blood, the blood of the animal does not cause susceptibility to tumah. So what do I see over here? That the milk is more chamer than the blood. So therefore Rabbi Kiva says, don't compare the milk to the blood to prove the point that the milk becomes Tomei like the blood. No, it's not the same thing. Milk causes Tomei more than the blood. Amrulai, the Chachamim answer back Rabbi Kiva, and here is the point that's relevant for our sugya. Salei zeisim vanovim yechichu. When you have a basket of olives or grapes, that should prove to you if you have any of the juices of oil or wine that's oozing out of the grapes or olives, only if it comes out willingly, then those mashkin are tummy. They cause susceptibility for tummy. But if it's not lerotzen, if it comes out not willingly, those mashkin are tired. So what, what is the last point that the Chacham here is saying is, Chacham is saying that when it comes to the milk that comes out from an animal, there's a fetish, a difference, whether it comes out L'Rotzen or it comes out Shalei L'Rotzen. Where do I see this? I see this concept, B'nigeya too, mashkin that comes out from fruits. Mashkin that comes out from fruits. If you're squeezing it out or you're, you want it to come out, you're happy with the fact that it came out, that's mashkin that causes Tumah causes susceptibility to Tumah. Mashkin that comes out while it's there in the basket and it just comes out on its own and you don't want it to come out, over there it does not cause susceptibility to Tumah. So therefore Rabbi Kiva says that I apply this, uh, sorry, not Rabbi Kiva, the Chachamim. The Chachamim say we apply this concept to the milk of an animal as well. That we distinguish between whether the milk of the animal came out willingly or not willingly. Okay, now this, this conversation between Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim 
If you look there in the Mishnah, it doesn't stop over there. The conversation continues and there's back and forth, there's a whole discussion. But uh, over there, the discussion is, to the machsher of the cholov of a behema, cow's milk. When is it machsher? When is it not machsher? Is it machsher only if it's lerotzen, or if it's machsher even if it's shaloi lerotzen? But what's relevant for our sugya is this last point over here, benigayat to the mashkim that comes out from zesim and anovim. It comes out from the zesim and anovim. So what did it say in this mishnah? There is the mashkim that comes out lerotzen, and there's the mashkin that comes out shaloi lerotzen. So now, let's define what means lerotzen, what means shaloi lerotzen. L'chayre, there should be three cases. There's a case where a person desires the mashkin to come out. He squeezes it to come out. He's clearly happy for it to come out. He says, I'm happy that this mashkin is coming out. That's one case. Then there's the case shaloi lerotzen, which is the opposite extreme, where the person is clearly unhappy of this mashkin coming out. He's saying, I don't want this mashkin to come out. But then there's a case in between. There's a case of stam in between, where the person does not clearly say, I'm happy this mashka is coming out, and he's not clearly saying, I don't want the mashka coming out. That's the case of stam. So now in this Mishnah, when it talks about the mashkin coming out of the olives and the grapes, it talks about lerotzen and shaloi lerotzen. What's with the case of stam in between? So the Gemara here in the Havaman is going to say as follows, My love, don't you think the pshat over here is, Lerotzain, when it uses the term Lerotzain, that the mashka is coming out willingly, what does that mean? Denichale, that he's clearly happy, he's clearly saying, I'm happy with this mashka that's coming out, or he himself is actually squeezing it. That's what Lerotzain means. What does Shalai Lerotzain mean? Shalai Lerotzain means any case where the person is not clearly saying he's happy. Bistama, so that includes even in a case which is a stam. Okay, and what does it say over here? The mashke, the liquid that comes out from the zesim and anovim, and it's only a stam, we don't consider that to be liquid. So therefore the Gemara's question now is, When it comes to olive and grapes, what are they designated for? They're designated to squeeze the oil and the wine out of them. If it was shaloi l'ratzayin, and what does shaloi l'ratzayin mean? Shaloi l'ratzayin means even in a case of stam, where he didn't clearly say, I want it. So that liquid that comes out is not considered to be a liquid. For the purpose of being machshef for tumah, it's not considered to be a liquid at all. So when it comes to the, to the berries or the pomegranates, those are fruits that are not designated for squeezing like olives and grapes. Shouldn't I certainly say that the liquid that comes out is not considered to be a liquid? So what did we say before? Rabbi Yehuda before said that the liquid that comes out in the, in the case of Stam is considered to be a liquid and it's a sort of schita and therefore the, if it oozes out on its own you're not allowed to drink it because it's exeity, you might come to squeeze it. But based on this Mishnah here where it talks about the din of Hachshul Akabal what do I see? If something comes out Stam, it doesn't have the din of liquid Bechlal. That's the question of the Gemara. And for the Gemara, loy, no. Not the same thing. The pshat over here is different. <coughs> we have to change the way we interpret what means lerotzen and what means shaloi lerotzen. Lerotzen b'stome. Yeah, no, the pshat is when it says lerotzen, rotzen does not only mean when the person clearly says he wants it. Lerotzen means whether he says clearly that he wants it or even stome. Even in a case where he doesn't say anything, that's all part of rotzen. If you, have, if you have wine or oil that's coming out of the grapes or the olives, what's called rotzen? Even stam is called rotzen. 
When it says that it's coming out, what does that mean? When he clearly says, I don't want these uh, juices to come out, that's what means. But if it comes out stam, it is considered to be a liquid. And that's exactly what Rabbi Yudu said before. When it comes out stam, it is a liquid and there is schita. That's one answer. Another answer is Shani Sale Zaysim Vanovim. You can't compare the two cases, Bakhlaw. Over here in this Mishnah, it's talking about a basket of olives and a basket of grapes, Kivin de Ibut Kaimi. Because over here, what happens? What happens when you have a basket of grapes and a basket of olives? And you have mashkin that are oozing out. What happens to that mashkin? Where does it go? It gets lost. The person will have no use of it. The person gives up on it. He says, oh, I have nothing from this. That's something that we say that bestam the person is not happy about because it's, going to, it's getting lost. That's not the case that Rabbi Yehuda was talking about. When Rabbi Yehuda spoke about a case of stam, he wasn't talking about mashka that's getting lost. He was talking about mashka that comes out stam that he has use of it. So mashka that comes out stam in a case that you, you have use of it, in such a case, that's a mashke that we say, it's a mashke, it's chita, you're going to use it, and therefore, we will geyser that if, even if it oozes out, you shouldn't drink from it. Two different kinds of cases of when it comes out stam. Okay, this is all the discussion, Benigeya, to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda regarding stam mashke that comes out when you didn't designate it for anything. Now the Gemara returns to the opinion of the Chachamim. What did we say in the Gemara that we learned yesterday? Chachamim are made to Rabbi Yehuda by all paytas. That, uh, Rabbi Yehuda said that there's a distinction. If it's designated for eating, designated for drinking, Chachamim made it to Rabbi Yehuda regarding all paytas to, to, to the shit of Rabbi Yehuda. We find, we hear we had this b'raise that clearly said that Rabbi Yehuda agrees to the Rabbanon. Regarding Zaysim Vanovim, Rabbi Yehuda agrees that in all cases, there's an issue if it oozes out wine or oil. Rabbanon the mighty little Rabbi Yehuda. However, this that we said that Rabbanon are mighty to Rabbi Yehuda, b'shar peiros regarding all other fruits. That over there we say that it depends what it, what was oozing out depends what what it was designated for. Minalon, where do we know that they're mighty? And for the Gemara, we know this from another brayse. Tanya, we learned in a brayse. Soichatin, you're allowed to squeeze out in Shabbos bepagoin. With plums or prunes or beprishin, which are pl- plums, huh? Quince. quinces, okay? Ubo zrodin, okay? A kind of apple. So these are different kinds of fruits that are not made to, to squeeze their juices. So you're allowed to lachatchile squeeze them on Shabbos. Now let me explain this. What's the pshat? Why are you allowed to squeeze them lachatchile on Shabbos? If they're not designated for their juices, you're allowed to squeeze them on Shabbos. The reason is, we're going to see this in the end of the Amr, and Rashi explains it over there, the whole malach of schita only applies when you are taking a liquid that's inside the fruit, and the fruit itself, what's the fruit itself? The fruit itself is an oichel, it's food. Inside this fruit there are juices that are concealed and stuck inside. And you, ex- you extract and take out the liquid from that fruit. So you're separating a liquid form, a liquid fru- a food, from a oichel, from food. That's the malach of dosh. That's what the concept of dosh is all about. Just like in the original source of dosh. What's the original source of dosh? When you have the kernels and the husk. The kernels are edible, the husks are not edible. And you separate the kernels from the husk. Okay? But what happens, for example, if I take a challah? I cut the challah into two. 
Now I have two slices of challah. Are you going to say that that's dosh, that I just separated one slice of challah from the other slice of challah? No, that's not dosh. You have one food, and you just separate it into two, and that, that, that's not dosh. This is food, this is food, I just cut it into two. Similar, when you have a fruit which is not designated for the liquid, so the liquid that comes out is considered to be a fruit oichel as well, even though it's a liquid form, but it doesn't matter. Alpidin, it's designated to be a fruit and oichel as much as the fruit itself, because it's not made for the juice, it's not made to squeeze out for the juice. So therefore what comes out is considered to be like two parts of an oichel that just became separated from each other, that's not dosh. Dosh is when you have a fruit that's designated for the liquid. LMI, the liquid is stuck inside, it's concealed inside, and you squeeze it and take out the liquid from the food. That's dosh. So over here, these fruits that are designated for, the, for eating it, and you're just squeezing it to make it a little bit sweeter, to make the fruit a little bit sweeter, that's not called dosh. Aval but not when it comes to pomegranates. Pomegranates is something which could you be used for the juices, and therefore you're not allowed to squeeze out the juices for it in Shabbos. Vishal base menashia. Bar menachem ha yusaychtem b'rimaynim. By base menashia, bar menachem, this was their custom. They would eat the uh, rimaynim, but, uh, sorry, not eat the rimaynim actually. They would, they would squeeze out the juices, then they would drink pomegranate juices. Okay? Even in the week, they're right. The Gemara is proving this concept that you see that the pomegranates are designated for the juices and therefore you're not allowed to squeeze that on Shabbos. You could also eat them. Yeah, you could, but they had a custom oh. to, to squeeze it for the juices. And that proves that the juices is not a food, it's a juice. And therefore you're separating the food, the, the juice that is, from the food, from the rima in itself. Okay, so what is the Gemara proving from this Braise? Here we see, it says in this Braise, that when it comes to these fruits, it comes to all fruits that are not designated for squeezing juices, you'll allowed to squeeze them on Shabbos. Not only be the yevet if the juices are oozing out, you'll allowed to squeeze them on Shabbos. So therefore, the same thing, so, so from here we see that the Rabbana would agree to Rabbi Yehuda, not only if it oozes out, but if it's a fruit that's designated for, for, for eating, for oichel, you're allowed to squeeze them. Frek the Gemara, wait a minute, how do you know that this b'raisa goes according to the Rabbanon? It doesn't say that this is the Rabbanon. Maybe this b'raisa goes according to Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says that if it's designated for food, then you're allowed to squeeze it out. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Even if you're going to say that this b'raisa is Rabbi Yehuda, do we see over here what Rabbi Yehuda said before? What did we see before? Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in the Mishnah, there Rabbi Yehuda was speaking about a case where the, food, the, the fruits, there was oozing out liquid on its own. Did we see before that Rabbi Yehuda said that you're allowed to go ahead and squeeze the fruits? That's, that's a big chiddush that you're allowed to squeeze it on Shabbos. So what's the answer? Why does Rabbi Yehuda say even this further extent that it's not only if it oozes out, but you're even allowed to squeeze it? Since these are fruits that are not shayach bachlal to the malach of schita. It's two parts of the fruit. When you squeeze it out, it's not a liquid. It's considered to be another part of the fruit. So therefore, I feel lachatchila. Therefore, this brayse is saying it that it's allowed even lachatchila. So I feel So that point will be true even according to the rabbanon. Even the lav bnei Since this is not schita at all, I feel lachatchila. Even lachatchila, it's allowed. 
So Shmamino Rabbanani. So this so this uh, this this svar is true even according to the Rabbanon. Shmamino. This Indian is there's no machlaikis about this. This is the definition of the malacha of schita. Schita means I take a liquid out of a fruit. If the liquid that comes out is not really a liquid because you're eating it as a fruit, you're just squeezing out the, the, the liquid just to make it a little bit sweeter, it's part of the fruit. It's like separating one part of the fruit from the other part of the fruit. That's not schita at all. So therefore, even according to the Rabbanon, they'll agree in this case. What else did it say in this price that we just quoted? This was the custom by Menashe, by Menachem, that they would use pomegranates for the juice. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman commented about this. We paskin like the custom of Menashe by Menachem. So Rav said to Rav Nachman, why are you saying this? You're, why are you saying that the halacha is like Menashe ben Menachem? Menashe ben Menachem Tanahu? Is Menashe ben Menachem a Tana? Who was Menashe ben Menachem? Some simple individual that lived somewhere and they had the custom of drinking pomegranate juice. The Braise is bringing this custom just as a support to the point of the Tana. So why is Rav Nachman saying the halacha is like Menashe ben Menachem? He should say the halacha is like the Braise, not like Menashe ben Menachem. If you're going to say, what did Rav Nachman mean to say? He really meant to say that the halach is like the Tana of the Braisa. And he holds like this custom of Menashe Ben Menachem, the pomegranates are designated for the juices. Because this Tana holds that it's a good idea to squeeze the pomegranate for the juices, so therefore the halacha should be like him. This custom of this house of Menashe ben Menachem is the custom of most of the world. Most of the people, what do they do with a pomegranate? They eat it. They don't squeeze out the juices. So we should consider the juice that comes out of the pomegranate to be a part of the peri, part of the food. It shouldn't be considered to be a juice. Just because Menashe ben Menachem did this, it doesn't make this the custom of most of the world. And for the Gemara, um, in. Yes, we do say this. We do say if you find in one person that did something, we could base a halacha based on the hanhaga of one person. Where do you find such a thing? The Tanan, because we learned in the Mishnah regarding the halacha of Kalayim. Hamakayim kaitzim bekerem, a person that's keeping kaitzim thorns that are growing amongst a vineyard. So the question now is these thorns that are growing there. What are they? They're bachlal usable, they're bachlal edible, or they're stam something that no one has any interest in having it there, and therefore it's not kalayim. So Rabbeleza says kiddush, it actually makes it kalayim. Kiddush is the term used regarding kalayim. When you have the mixture, it, it makes it kalayim. It's not considered to be kalayim unless it's something that people will actually are interested in keeping it there and having it there. You're going to use it for something. Thorns and thistles are something that a person doesn't use for anything. Oh, my time in the Rabbi Rabchanina explains Rabbi opinion. How could Rabbi say this is Kalayim? Who uses these thorns for anything? So he says, Camels eat these thorns and thistles. So in, in Arvian, Arabian countries where there's a lot of camels that uh, travel through the desert, so they eat these thorns, and therefore the owner is interested in having these thorns there to feed the camels. So, what is the Gemara proving from here? You see that just because there's one location in the world that that's what people do, so because of that, Rabbi Yeza held that all over it's considered to be k- Kalayim. 
we, we go according to the custom in that place, same thing we could apply as well, Benegat to Menashe, Menachem ben Menashe, or Menashe ben Menachem, that just because one person used the pomegranate from the juices, we could apply the halach of everybody according to that. So the Gemara, no, you can't compare it. Midi area, is this a comparison? The Arviya Asra. The Arviya is a whole area. It's a whole place over there in the world where that there's a lot of camels and they use the thorns for this purpose. Hacha over here, but Ladaita, it's the Kaladam. Just one person, Menashe ben Menachem, does this. Just because one individual, that should create a status for everybody that the pomegranates are used for the juice and not as a fruit. So how the question comes back. How are we basing a halacha regarding schita on Shabbos based on the custom of one, of one person, Menashe ben Menachem? Elo answers the Gemara, there's a different reason here. It's actually a gzeir of Chazal. What the Gemara now is going to explain is what it said in the Mishnah there, in the Zbraisa that is, that the pomegranates are used for the juices and therefore you can't squeeze it on Shabbos. It's taken not menatayra. Minatayre, most people don't use the pomegranates for the juices. It's the juice that comes out as part of the fruit. There's no schita. But there's a gzayrim the rabbanan. And this gzayrim the rabbanan is like Rav Chista said. And the Gemara brings up where Rav Chista said something regarding a mikveh. Dama Rav Chista, Trodin shesachton v'nasnam b'mikveh. You have beets. And you cook beets. And I have beet juice. And you squeezed out this beet for the juice into, the, into a mikveh. Paislin is a mikveh b'shini it will passel the mikveh because you changed the color. The mikveh, the color of the mikveh now is going to be red. So now, before I read the Gemara inside, let me explain the basis of this Gemara. At this point, the Gemara is, is, is thinking, and we'll see in a moment, this is a machlaikis, but at this point, the Gemara is, is holding that the only way to passel a mikveh is if you use a beverage to, um, that goes into the mikveh to passel it. If I throw food into the mikveh, and because of that food, the color changes, the food, it's a food item that does not change the uh, status of the mikveh. It won't passel the mikveh. If it's a beverage that falls into the mikveh, that will passel the mikveh. So now the question is, what are beets and beet juice? Beet juice is a beverage? Or is beet juice just part of the fruit and the, the juice oozes out of the beets? Beets are not made for squeezing beet juice. Maybe now they make beet juice. I mean, today they make juice out of everything. But beet juice, the beets are not designated for the juices. So the question is, this beet juice that falls into the mikveh, why is this something that passes the mikveh? It's not a beverage. It's not made to squeeze for the juice. So what does Rav Chista say? What's the answer? Since you're squeezing these beets, and you have this beet juice, so for you, you squeeze this juice, so for you it is a mashke. That's the svara why the beet juice will pass all the mikveh. Even though generally it's not considered to be a beverage, but if you squeezed it for the beet juice, so for you it is a mashke, you want it, it's good for you, so therefore it has the status of a beverage and it will pass all the mikveh. So now the Gemara applies that to our case as well. Hochanami, over here as well, regarding the pomegranates on Shabbos. Kivin the Achshevinu, Havaluhu Mashke. If someone is going to go ahead and squeeze pomegranates for the juices that come out of it, so for that individual, the juice that comes out of the pomegranates is considered to be a significant juice. It is juice. 
Okay, so what's the Gemara saying? Even if it's true that most people will not use the pomegranates for the juice, and therefore if you're going to squeeze it, and the juice comes out of it, even though you're squeezing it just to make the pomegranate sweeter, because you want to have it juicy, you want to have it sweeter, and therefore you're not interested in the juices, but nevertheless, Chachamim made a gzeda. Since there are some people that do squeeze it for the juices, as we see in the cases of, like the case of Menashe ben Menachem, that squeezed it for the juice, so therefore Chachamim will gzeda that nobody should squeeze any pomegranates, even if you just stam wants to make it a little bit sweeter, uh, the, 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 the taste of the fruit should be sweeter. Nevertheless, no one's allowed to squeeze these fruits on Shabbos. That's the conclusion of the Gemara according to Rav Chista. It's exeda. and this is the way it's passed in the Shulchan Aruch. However, there is a machlekes rishayim about this. Some rishayim say that it's only like a fruit, like a pomegranate, or any fruits like that that some people squeeze. But how about any other fruits that nobody squeezes? Then that wouldn't apply. Wouldn't apply. I don't know, today you make juices out of everything, so you could almost make this, it's so obvious you can make this gzeda about everything. But um, I don't know, let's say there's some kind of a fruit that nobody squeezes, right? But the Altarev Meshachanarach brings a second day, and that's the day of Rashi actually, that says that this gzeda that the Gemara says here, the Chacham made Benigayat the pomegranate, that since somebody might squeeze it, and for him the juice is significant, Chacham will gzeda for anybody that squeezes the juices, even just to sweeten the fruit, just because he wants it to be juicy a little bit. But he doesn't really want the juices as a juice, he just wants to sweeten the fruit. Chacham made a gzeda that you're never allowed to be seichet on Shabbos. The Altarev says you should be machmer on Shabbos, not to be seichet, not to squeeze any fruits for its juices. Because of this gzeda, some, someone might be using it for the juices, and you yourself might come to do that. But really, minatayda, what it comes out from our Gemara is, minatayda, most fruits, you're allowed to squeeze them on Shabbos. The whole thing that we don't squeeze fruits on Shabbos, lemons or whatever it is, is all just midrabanan. Huh? <clears throat> for, for a salad. So we're going to get to that in a moment. I'm talking about squeezing lemon into a cup, just uh, for, for the lemon juice, or into a cup of water. We'll see soon in the Gemara. Okay, now the Gemara brought up this case of Mikveh, and the Gemara is going to bring a second pshat in that case of Mikveh. That's different than the pshat of Rav Chista. What did Rav Chista say? That in order for a Mikveh to become puzzle, it's only if you squeezed a beverage, if there's water, of a, a water or any beverage that was added to the Mikveh, and it changes the color of the Mikveh. That makes the Mikveh puzzle. If it's a food item that fell into the mikveh, it's not going to make it possible. So what did Rav Chista say? You squeeze this beets, so it's considered to be a beverage. Rav Papa says different. Rav Papa, ma, Rav Papa says that's not the way you define what passes a mikveh. Rather, the pshat is, Mishum <clears throat> This beet juice is something you can't make a mikveh of it. Which means it doesn't have to be a beverage to pass the mikveh. As long as it's something that you can't make a mikveh out of it, and that liquid ends up in the mikveh and it changes the color, that passes it. Anything that you can't make a mikveh out of it, and it's now, it goes into the mikveh, and paisalas a mikveh bishini mara. It will pass the mikveh even if it changes the color. So even if you're going to say that the, the beet juice is not a beverage, the beet juice is not designated for drinking really, it's part of the fruit and it's considered, or the vegetable, it's considered to be a fruit, a vegetable, nevertheless it passes the mikveh. So now we have a machlekes between Rav Papa and Rav Chista, what passes a mikveh? Is it dafke because it becomes a liquid, a mashke, a beverage, or is it only or, or it's a davash Anything that you don't make a mikvah out of it, even if it's not a beverage, it makes the mikvah puzzle. So the Gemara now brings up the same achloikis regarding another case. 
Tanan Hasam, we learned in a Mishnah, some Mishnah also regarding mikveh and yayin. If you have wine that fell into a mikveh, or vinegar fell into a mikveh, Meichal. So I think we're going to be focusing now on this Meichal. What's Meichal? Meichal is a watery substance that oozes out of olives. Okay? Rashi here explains that, of course, usually what's the substance that comes out of olives? Oil. Okay? But even before the oil comes out, there's a watery substance that comes out of the olives. Now, it's very important to, to know for the Hemshech de Gemara here, the process of how this happens. They take all the olives and they put them into a vat. Put them into a vat, what happens? The olives are not 100% ripe, they're still hard somewhat, but in the vat, it ripens. And there's, there's three different stages here that Gemara will speak about. The first thing is, inside the vat, the, the, the olives are warm. Because they're warm, there's some substance, some watery substance that comes out of it. Then you leave it there for a longer period, they start becoming pressed together a little bit. They start squeezing together. Once it squeezes together, there's more water that oozes out of it. Then they take it out of this vat and they put it into a net to actually crush it. And over there, Bishas, they come right before they crush it, or even after they crush it actually, besides the oil that comes out of it, there is more of a watery substance that comes out. So there are diff three different stages of this Meichal that comes out of these olives. Now, now let's see what it says here. So you have yayin, oichaymetz, and moichal that fall into a mikveh, shinim vishinah marav, and it changes its color, puzzle. That makes the mikveh puzzle. So now the Gemara says, is this moichal uh, one of the mashkin? Is this moichal a beverage that could make the mikveh puzzle? Man, tana da moichal mashkahu. Who is the tana that says that moichal is considered to be a beverage? Amar Abayah, Rabbi Yaakifi. So Abayah says, this is Rabbi Yaakif. The Tanya, we learned in Abraiser, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, Moichal harehu kemashke. This watery substance that comes out of the olives, it's a mashke. However, Uma tam omru moichal Rabbi Yaakov still clarifies that watery substance of the olives that comes out right in the beginning when they put it into the vat, it's going to be tahir. It won't cause the olives to be susceptible to tumah. The reason is, it's like we said before, any liquid that comes out that you're not interested, you're not using it, bachlal, it's getting lost, so that's something that is not a liquid that makes it susceptible to Tumah. But really, in essence, this Meichal is a Mashke. says, This watery substance, it's not one of the Mashkin. It's a substance that comes out of the grape, it's not oil, sorry, it comes out of the olives, it's not oil, it's not water, it's not a Mashke. But now, Rab Shimon says, There is the Meichal that comes out at a later stage. What's the Ikul Beisabad? That's once they place it into a net and they place it into the actual press. Over there, at the last stage, there's additional waters, not the oil, there's additional waters that come out. That waters, Rab Shimon says, it will make it susceptible to Tum. It is a Mashke. So why did they say that The answer is Those waters that come out of the olives at a later stage, that's right before the oil comes out. Or Rashi says maybe right after the oil came out, after they finished pressing it. Over there, there's going to be some oil mixed into it. So because of the oil mixed into it, that's why it's considered to be a mashke. 
Okay, so what is the Gemara saying? It's Rabbi Yaakov that said that the Meichal has the status of a Mashke, and therefore if it falls into the Mikveh, it passes the Mikveh. Rabbi Shimon holds it doesn't have the status of a Mashke. But the Gemara asks the question, Mai Beinayu? What's really the difference between Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Shimon? Both of them are saying that the first Meichal that comes out in the beginning stage, right when you put it into the vat, will not make it susceptible to Tumah. And both of them are saying that in the last stage, when it comes out at the end, right when it's being pressed for the oil, that that is going to be machshir uh, for tomer. So what's really the difference between them? And for the Gemara, the osi basar There is the middle stage. I, was, I mentioned before. There's the middle stage when the gray, when the olives squeeze together. That middle stage when it squeezes together over there is where there's the machlokes between Rabbi Rab Yaakov and Rabbi Shimon. Right? Rabbi Yaakov says that he doesn't want bikiyumai, the the um, water that comes out right in the beginning. He doesn't use that doesn't apply to the middle. The one that's there in the middle, the one the water that comes out in the middle, the person does want it. He will use it. Whereas according to Rabbi Shimon, it says that the issue is that there's a little bit of oil mixed in. There's no oil mixed in when it's still coming when it's still in the vat when the still Meichal coming out in the vat. Okay, why did the Gemara bring this up? This is all one interpretation of this B'raise. According to this interpretation, who was speaking over here? Abaya. Abaya was telling us that what makes a mikveh puzzle? Only something which is actually a beverage. Rava Mar, Rava argues, and Rava holds like Rav Papa that we mentioned before. As long as this is a liquid that you don't make a mikveh with it, you can't make a mikveh with meichal. It doesn't have to be a beverage. Even if you're going to define this meichal, this water that oozes out of the olives, the stam meichal, and it's not a beverage, nevertheless, if it's something that you can't make a mikvah out of it, it passes the mikvah b'shinimara. It does not have to be defined as a beverage. So we see again the same achleikis regarding the mikvah, what passes the mikvah. Does it have to be a beverage to passel the mikvah? Or any substance that the mikvah can't be made out of it, and it falls into the mikvah, and it colors the mikvah, it makes the mikvah passel.